0: But we are in week three right now. Can you believe it? Week three of our precious series. We started with Precious King and we did our wonder event. Who was at the wonder event? amazing thank you to Simon and the team who have actually put that online now you can watch it online all of the videos are there you can share them you can share them your church produced amazing content that you can share and uh, it's the kind of thing that if you're a bit worried about hey people don't really want to hear from me about the Jesus stuff this year why don't you just share a song share a dance share our cute kids dancing on the stage who can resist a bunch of cute kids dancing on the stage I was gonna wear red red sequins today uh, but Stan said I wasn't allowed to And all God's people said, "Amen." (laughs) If you want to catch up on any of the messages, there they are. You can get them on the YouTube's and on the apps and all the things. It's on the internet, which is on computers now. All right, we. I want to ask you. I want to ask you what your favorite treasure is and was. Okay. Tomorrow morning, as I speak this to you, as I speak this to you, tomorrow morning, two teams are going to get onto a field and they're going to get a white ball and they're going to kick it back and forth really slowly (laughs) until one of them scores a goal and the entire planet goes nuts. Do you know why they're going to do that? They're going to do that for a thing about this big. It's coated in gold and it's called the World Cup, even though it's plainly not a cup. (laughs) It's a thing holding a ball. But there's this wonderful thing that happens when we have sporting events and we have this kind of identification, team identification. It's a psychological thing. And I wrote it down. Some people will be, wait for it, some people will be burging at the end of the World Cup and some people will be coughing. Who's going to cough? Who's going to burge? Let me fill you in before you agree. You're going to bask in reflected glory, burge or berg. I don't know. You're going to bask in reflective glory, or and I had to write. This out, you will cut yourself off from reflective failure. <laughs> wow. You will bask in reflective glory, bask in reflective glory, or you will cut yourself off from reflective failure, and you will do all of this. Because even though a bunch of us in the room have no affiliation with Argentina or France, for some reason when international sport happens, we think I'll go for the blue team or I'll go for the red team or I'll go for the team going that way or whatever and you pick a team and suddenly you identify with that team and suddenly if they get glory, you get glory. And if they fail, you run. And that's why we say we won or they lost. They lost. That's the human capacity to connect. Unless the team's winning, we kind of back off, we run away. Unless we're actually having a win by whatever measure we've decided winning is, we will back away and we will hide. There are a bunch of us in the room who are natural hiders and there are other people who are natural stand up and take, you know, take on the fight kind of people and you kind of change roles depending on the scenario, depending on the culture you're in. If you're in a culture where you understand what the table manners are, If if you're in a culture where you understand what the language is, then you're no worries. You step in there quite confidently and you just take part. When you step into a place where the culture is not your own, you stand back a little. You stand back a little. And at times, it gets a little bit rowdy or whatever and you think, I'm just going to back away. And if you're like some of us, you think, I might just leave the party early. That's how we kind of connect or don't connect. I want you to think really quickly about what it was as a child, as a child that was most Precious to you. And I want to put it to you that what was most precious to you was probably not what was most expensive to your parents. Yeah? Oftentimes, I'm a parent, you know that, and the child goes, I want the thing. And you go, I'll get you the thing if you do the stuff. And then they do some of the stuff and you cave anyway. And you get them the thing and the thing costs the money and you get them the thing and they start playing with the thing and they play for the thing for a little while and then they go back to the thing that they treasure most which is the doll that was handed down for three generations, or the stupid sparkly thing that came in the Happy Meal For some of us, uh, for some of us, it's, it's, it's the collection of shells that you had because you walked along the beach with your friends and you picked up those precious shells, and they don't mean anything to anybody else, but to you, those things are precious. For me, I remember I, as, I was, as I was considering this thought, I was like, "What was my treasure as a kid?" And there were a whole bunch of physical objects, but uh, but one of them, weirdly enough, weirdly enough, was after church in Warrigal. Anyone know where Warrigal is? It's in Gippsland. Yeah, beautiful beautiful uh town and uh after church if we were lucky we would go to the Bluefin fish and chip shop and at the Bluefin fish and chip shop which may or may not have been above health code <laughs> there was there was there was the pickled onion jar i mean the, where's the pickled onion jar gone it used to always be there and and if you were if you were blessed amongst the children in the ghoul clan you would you would be blessed with a potato cake Potato cake. You didn't get the fish, the fish was for the adults. Except mum was a softie and she always gave you a bit of hers. And dad said to us, we're just going down to this this shop after, we'll we'll get the fish and chips, we'll go down to the shop. And it was one of those shops that had, you know, bric-a-brac, lots and lots of things in it. And I walked in and, and there was this lamp. It had a red base and a red hood and a bendy, stretchy, black neck thing. And it was enamel and it was Ferrari red. And I said, I want that lamp. And dad said, Why? I said, because I want to study the Encyclopedia Britannica that you just bought for no apparent reason. (laughs) I never read the Encyclopedia Britannica, but we had many leather-bound books. The lamp was there, and when I think back, I don't know why. There was just something about that day that I saw a shiny thing, and when I want the shiny thing, and Dad said, yes, (gasps) and it's just a lamp. But when I think about that red lamp, you know what I feel? happy i feel happy that red lamp means nothing to you but to me there's a memory there's a story attached there's a moment that connected me with my dad and my dad had this moment where he actually caved and spent the money and got me the lamp what is it for you write it down what is it for you that you would hold in your hands and nobody else would understand it but for you that thing is really really precious i've been married for nearly 21 years and i have learned do not throw out the thing that looks like junk (laughs) where's the collection of sand why do we have a collection of sand what's precious to you and what's precious to me is kind of different but either way when you discover what is precious you hold on to what is precious here's the question what happened for you if you lost that treasure If your brother or your sister destroyed the thing, threw it out, drew on it, ripped out the page from your favorite book, pulled the ear off your teddy bear, what happened? You got sad and angry and you went into defense mode and you said, you don't understand what you've done because you don't understand the value of the thing that you held in your hand. Do you not understand? Have you not? understood. In Luke 15, we have this incredible set of parables. Luke 15 is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, and it talks about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. But here's what we forget, is there's a setup to Luke 15. There's a setup to Luke 15, and it happens, wait for it, in Luke 14. Funny that, right? So Luke wrote it down this way. When Jesus spoke, Jesus said, simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, it. You can't be my disciple. You're waiting for me to say, hold on to all your treasures. You can't be my disciple. What Jesus had done is he'd started to teach in the marketplace, as he often did, and religious scholars and other people were gathering around, and what he was saying to them is, you should be my disciples, you should come follow me. That was his whole message. I am here representing the kingdom, I'm going to teach you about kingdom principles, you should come follow me. And what he's asking them is, can you afford to be my disciple? Can you actually afford to be my disciple? But at the same time, concurrently, he's asking them, can you afford not to be my disciple? Because Jesus splits the middle between all of your questions. Can you afford to be my disciple? Probably not, because I really like all these things. But do you want kingdom come? Can you afford not to be my disciple? If you're a Christian in this house or watching online, then you make that choice every single day. Maybe at the start of the day when you say, come on God, let's do this. Maybe at the end of the day where you say, sorry God, we should have done that together. But either way, you make that decision every day. You say, I can't afford not to be his disciple. But there was more to the setup. He said, so salt is excellent. Remember he said salt and light is what you should be? He said salt is excellent, but if salt goes flat, it's useless, good for nothing. If it loses its taste, it's useless, it's good for nothing. Salt is a mineral. It's impossible for salt not to be salt. It's impossible. Salt can't not be salt. Salt is salt. It's on the table of charts and things. I didn't do science, I'm an art student. Leave me alone. (laughs) Salt's always salt. It's never not salt. So when is salt not tasted, when it's watered down, when it's overwhelmed, when it's overcome by other ingredients, and if you're at my house, you know my mother has 16 salt shakers, hi mum, always more salt, that's the Greek in her coming out, I'm well preserved, don't worry about it, (laughs) don't know what my doctor will say later in life, but for now I'm okay. In other words, you get to be salt. It just, it's kind of up to you how, how flavorsome, how flavorful you become to the world around you. Can, can you afford to be my disciple? Can you afford not to be my disciple? You've got to be salt, and salt can lose its flavor only when it's overwhelmed and overcome by other ingredients. And then he says this key word, are you listening? Are you really, really listening? And that's the question. So here's, that's the setup. Here's the play. He says to them, it's really cool, this is how how Luke 15 starts, Jesus is is way cool. (laughs) By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus listening intently. We're all my friends of doubtful reputation, don't put your hands up, online you can, because no one's looking. I love it. Another, another you, you would have heard it read as sinners gathered around him, right? But essentially people who had doubtful reputation, people that others were judging from afar and thinking, you come from this clan, you come from this class, you come from this people group, you are not, mm, uh, Jesus, you shouldn't be here. This is impure as a good Jewish leader. You are hanging around with people who, are, who haven't gone through the purity rituals and you are not pure hanging out with them. Some people of doubtful reputation gathered around him. My friends, you're allowed to gather around Jesus no matter where your reputation is up to today. Check it out. The Pharisees and the religion scholars were not pleased. They growled. They didn't just say stuff. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. And their grumbling triggered these stories. These stories, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, They were triggered by people who were complaining that the other people around them were no good. Hello? When you come into the kingdom, you gain a treasure that is really, really hard to express. But if you have that treasure, how dare you hold on to it and not let others have it? The Pharisees were walking with their hundreds and hundreds of laws and bylaws and making it almost impossible for anybody to actually live up to the purity claims. And they were standing there in a space where other people needed the treasure they had. You know what they did with their treasure? They held it to themselves and judged the other people that didn't have it. The people of poor reputation. The beautiful thing is Isaiah had already prophesied a man of no reputation will come and be among you. He was a man of, Jesus was a man of no reputation. He came not wanting to say anything of himself. He said, I only say what the Father has given me to say. So when these kinds of stories are triggered, you need to know two things. One, they needed to hear it. Two, this is coming from the Father's heart. And it goes like this, the parable of the lost coin. You can look it up in your Bible, digital or otherwise, in Luke 15 and from verse 8. It says, suppose, uh, sorry, from from verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Not just my lost sheep, I want you to come and rejoice with me that this lost sheep has been found. Verse seven, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He's talking to grumbling Pharisees who are pretty sure they're righteous and he's saying, I'm not even going to bother rejoicing over you right now because you should get it, you've got the treasure. He's saying there's one, this person standing right next to you The person gathered around with the poor reputation. You've got treasure. Give him the treasure. Stop holding it to yourself and being a judge. Because it's not yours to judge. It's his to judge. The shepherd goes and gets the sheep, leaves the 99 who are perfectly safe, goes out and gets the one sheep. If you've ever... Lived on a farm or dealt with sheep. These are not easy creatures to handle. These are not easy creatures to carry. I have dealt with fly-blown sheep. I have dealt with sheep that have fallen over because of the rain and they can't get themselves up. Sheep are not fun to deal with. They are smelly. They wiggle, they do not behave themselves. This shepherd worked hard to get that sheep back. And he was like, "I treasure you. Stop wriggling." Lost coin, verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. 10 silver coins, 10 days worth of wages. One silver coin, one day of wages. And loses one, does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Remember, these stories were triggered by grumbling and these stories were triggered by grumbling based on cultural diversity that the pure people weren't happy about. And they had treasure and the other people didn't have treasure and Jesus said, it's you. And I'm going after the one. And I'm going after the lost and I'm going to light a lamp and I'm going to sweep the corners. And he says later, he says, we go out into the highways and the byways and we will reach all people. Anyone who has ears to hear can hear this. And then, of course, the parable of the lost son, one of the most famous stories in scripture, potentially in the world. It's such a well-known parable. It's such a well-known morality tale that, that there were two sons and a father and one son comes and says, I want my inheritance now. And the father gives in and he gives him his inheritance and he goes and squanders it completely He finds himself at a farm, another farm, (laughs) with the pigs looking at the trough of food that the pigs had to eat and he wants to eat it. Not only as a Jewish kid was he going to be impure by being in that pig pen, but how impure would he have been by eating the slops that was in the trough. And he's there on his knees and he's broken down in the mud and the muck and looking at the food. Can you imagine looking at a pig trough thinking, I'm hungry enough to eat that? That's where this guy was. That's how lost he was. That's how little treasure he was. He had left and he said even my father's servants are dealt with better than this I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say I will just be your servant and this picture is drawn of a father that searches for his son every single day and as he walks back towards the property and I've kind of got this picture of like a bit of a farm gate and a bit of a, a bit of a long kind of kind of a driveway you know and 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 the father comes out to the gate and he looks down the way and he sees a little speck on the horizon and as any parent or anyone that has ever loved a child knows when you see that child, something in you sparks and you think, I think that's my kid. I think that's, I think, is that? And as the the child comes in, the excitement grows and he's broken and he's muddy and he's full of muck and he's got no treasure left and he's got nothing to give the father. Nothing. Except himself. And the good, good father Reaches out, embraces the child, puts a coat on him, kills the fatted calf, put rings on his fingers, washes him up, gets him ready for a feast. And the older brother is completely confused by this and goes, why why would you do this? I've been here the whole time supporting the farm, looking after all of these things. And he says this, he says, you know what, son? You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad Because this brother of yours was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and is found. If you're feeling a bit lost today, there's a lot to be gained by getting lost. I don't recommend doing it, but I would suggest to you that I have not met a human yet that hasn't had an experience of lostness. We will, if you haven't already, you will experience lostness. But there's a lot to be gained when you remember that you are God's treasure and he will chase after you and he will turn the lights on and sweep the corners to find you and he will go out into the night and lift you from the briar that you're stuck in, lift you from the place the, the, the place that you have fallen. He will lift you up and bring you back into a place where the others that already have the treasure and are staying safe will celebrate that you have come in as well. And we call that picture salvation. And that's why in this Advent season that ends up with, with, with this, this baby being born and Emmanuel coming and dwelling with us, God with us, we see this moment where humility, the God of the universe in all humility, comes to us as a child and says, I am with you and I am for you and you are my treasure. You are my treasure. So, here's the kicker. And the kick is kind of interesting to me, because it should be just really obvious. But people are greater than possessions. What, what, What the religious leaders had was possession. You know what they were possessing? Knowledge. They knew stuff. If you're a person a little bit like myself, and you were prone to correct people during a conversation where you should not... And your sister looks at you and kills you with her eyes. It's <laughs> so, all right, my whole family does that. It's just what we do at the dinner table. Jazz, you didn't need to correct me. Right, the Pharisees had come into this conversation and looked at these people of no reputation and ill reputation that had gathered around Jesus and started to grumble, and it triggered these stories. And he looked at them and said, stop it. It's not about what you know. It's about what you hold that you're not giving. You hold in your hand such a precious treasure. And you know what happens when you share this treasure? You don't lose this treasure. This treasure multiplies. Because people are greater than possessions. If you hold the knowledge of the goodness of God in your heart, why would you not share that? Especially during this Advent season where people are saying, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm supposed to be happy. All the ads on TV say I'm supposed to be happy. Once you understand this, you can be found again. We've all experienced lostness. You can be found again. But here's the three things I reckon you need to know off the back of these stories that were triggered by grumbling. You can get grace again. You can get grace again. Because the scripture talks about grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. There's no running out of his grace. There's always more grace. You get more grace. Don't worry about it. If you've got a bad reputation today, don't worry. There's grace for that. If you're religious and upright today, don't worry. There's grace for that. If you're just gathered as a human being, there's grace for that. And God's goodness is there for you. And his treasure is ready to be shared to you. And if you've got it, you share it. You don't lose it. You multiply it. There's grace for you. And you should celebrate generously again. If you know that you are saved, if you know that you are known, if you know that you are held by Jesus, why don't you just take today to celebrate that again? You shouldn't just celebrate that on the day you said a prayer or on the day you had a good worship time with the other saints. You should celebrate that daily. Celebrate with generosity again, because you know what generosity begets? Generosity. Generosity begets generosity. You can believe you. when, 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 when 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 that lady found her coin, you know what she did with it? Spent it on other people? She had 10 coins at the start. She lost one. She found one. Then she invited everybody over. How many coins is she going to have left at the end? She's got to go back to work because there's another party coming because people are greater than possessions. All right? Generosity begets generosity. And you should run to Jesus' arms again. You should run to Jesus' arms again. should run to Jesus' arms again. Do you know why? Because although Jesus, the story is the picture of God standing there watching the son come to him and he's saying, come, 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 and running to him and he breaks into a run and he runs to them, but the child is making a move as well. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. The lady with the issue of blood walked through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. Blind Bartimaeus cried out from the side of the road. The man by the pool of Siloam said, bless me, son of David. The the, the, the blind man that, that said, I can't, see and 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 got mud thrown in his eye by jesus hello they made a move towards jesus They made a move towards Jesus. Yes, Jesus is looking at you saying, you are precious to me. You are my precious possession. I want you to know. And he's saying this, are you listening? Are you really, really listening? These three stories were triggered by grumbling. Are you listening? Are you really, really listening? I'm gonna steal from Pastor Stan's sermon last week because it makes sense and we should read this scripture a lot because you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people whose God's Own possession, you need to know that so that you may proclaim the excellencies the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. There has been a calling for you to come out, for you once were not even a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You, my friends, are His precious treasure. Are you convinced? I kind of hope you're convinced. But here's, Jesus told really good stories, right? Now, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a musician, and so I started to think about songs that have helped me understand this. So if you'll indulge me for just a minute, I'm going to pick up my guitar. Is that all right? I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it anyway. Because for me, songs kind of help me memorize some of this stuff. And and then I break stuff. And it doesn't matter. Who's going to get a guitar or a piano out at Christmas time? Who's that person in the family? Yeah, there's a few people like that. Is there a few people who just probably shouldn't but do anyway? So here we go. Here's, here's a song that reminded me that sometimes it's, it's, it's the people. Okay, so I'm just going to help you out with this. This, this might help you a little, because I always forget this one, but here it goes. I just, I just, it's a very, it's a very deep song. Okay, here we go. This is kind of about the grumbly people. Reindeers are better than people. Sven, don't you think that's true? Yeah, people will beat you and curse you and cheat you. Every one of them's bad. Except you For all the (laughs) (laughs) hiders. For all the hiders in the house. Uh, Can you believe I needed music for that? (laughs) Sometimes it's not the worship song, sometimes it's just the song with the right lyric that reminds you to come home. You're his precious people, his precious treasure. You, you have a precious king and there's an exchange there that happens. When you recognize him as precious king, you understand that you're his precious people and you will run to him and you will do whatever you can to get to him because it makes perfect sense because you have experienced lostness because you need that treasure back in your life. So the other day I was cruising down the road. Feeling very sorry for myself. Even a little anxious. A lot anxious. I don't know what I was thinking about. Could have been the bank balance. Do you know what I did the other day? I'm just gonna here's here's a true confession for you. I cook chicken for people. You're thinking so? You don't understand. I overcooked the chicken. You know what i was thinking about how i let everybody down because i overcooked the chicken no one else is that frail are they i was walking along going those people did not like their lunch they officially hate me now because the chicken was overcooked and the holy spirit said shut up justin because <laughs> the holy spirit's an Aussie <laughs> I but then i turned this song on and it helped and it wasn't on my worship
1: playlist from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight, starts tonight. Let this anthem in really me start like an anthem. tonight. Let this promise in me start. Like an